Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Hello, it is Ryan. And I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me. And you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Oh, what's going on, everybody? Welcome to the awesome.com NFL strategy show. That's right. It's a Wednesday morning in December, and we're talking pigskin because we've got a 340 game today, Eastern time, of course, between the Pittsburgh Steelers and the COVID-ridden Baltimore Ravens, and I'm all for it. I'm also Dave Lochran with me as he is every single showdown strategy show. Matt Gajeski on Twitter at Matt underscore Gajeski. Follow me at Lafay underscore D, L-O-U-G-H-Y underscore D. Matt, no one's going to be home today. I can watch this game in peace. I won't be bothered. No one can say a thing to me. I could sit back and watch a afternoon Wednesday football game, get my bets in, sweat my DFS lineups, got a few dynasty teams that have some big stuff riding on this today, and nobody can say a damn thing. I can't tell you how excited I am. Dude, me too. I guess the positive of this COVID situation is we're getting football on random days. This is the second time this year. I believe the first time we had a Tuesday strategy yep. show. Today we have Wednesday I mean, I know next week there's been some some games rescheduled. It's just leading to more football on more days. So anytime we get more football on more days, I'm going to be excited, man. And this one in particular, great divisional matchup. We're happy to have you guys with us. I hope you guys are excited too. What's up to everybody in chat? Man, we love hanging out with you guys every morning. This has been a lot of fun, Matt. I mean, it really has. Like we, we do this 45-minute show, talk about one single game. Four years ago, three years ago, this wouldn't even have been fathomable. Like nobody would be, nobody would be thinking that for one single game, you're doing a 45 minute show. Do you know back in the day, cause I've been in the DFS content game since like 2013. Now we used to not do shows and, and, and almost every site, if there were two or three games, sometimes we wouldn't even do a show. Now we're doing 45 minutes on a single game. I'm a little, I'm a little young for those days. It's like right when I was graduating high school, uh, I don't have any experience of those days, man. I'm glad that the days have evolved and we get show. Showdown's quietly one of my favorite formats. I like really diving in the weeds with some of these unknown players. Today, we're really going to have to do that with Baltimore-Pittsburgh. So anytime we get these situations, I'm like all excited for them. And I can't wait for today's format. Bo Gray puts it perfectly. He says, I hate Showdown, but I love it. That's, <laughs> that's where I am. Because I got smoked on Monday night. Um I got smoked. Had nothing to do with Jalen Hurts, by the way, or Swain. Someone someone yelled at us for recommending Swain uh, on yesterday uh, yesterday's show about the day before. And I tried to explain to them that we prefaced that with, you can't play him if David Moore is going to be active. But I don't know. Not everyone wants to listen. Anyway, we're glad to have you guys with us. Hit that thumbs up if you haven't done so yet. And if you like the show, if you like the channel, you think we've helped you, you want to help support us and you just, you know, maybe appreciate what we do here. Subscribe to the channel. Help us get to that 50K mark. I've been saying until the end of the year, it's going to be tough. We got less than a month and like 7,000 to go. So I don't want to give up quite yet. Maybe we'll get a strong push once NBA rolls around. But here we are. I'm asking for you. I'm begging. I'm not begging. you. I'm just saying if you like what we do, hit the subscribe. And, uh, you know, we'll pop up more in the browse feature, the recommended feed, and you'll see more of our shows. All right, Matt, you ready to dive into this? Yeah, man. We have a lot to dive into. Yes, we certainly do. We've got the Pittsburgh Steelers hosting the Ravens. Ten and a half point favorites, 42 and a half point total. I guess 
the general overview here is where we start with before we dig deep into the Ravens and the Steelers. I'm of the mindset, and you may think I'm crazy here. I like the I like the Ravens to cover today. You know, Lamar Jackson has not been playing close to an MVP level. He's still a huge, huge, considerable upgrade from the Robert Griffin that we knew when he was still in the league starting games. Um, but it's a divisional game. And this is, in essence, a do-or-die game for the Baltimore Ravens. They lose this. The division is wrapped up in early December. Steelers lock it up on a Wednesday afternoon at 11-0. and up. I think there are a lot of moving parts here that we have to pay attention to. And I'm not a narrative guy. I'm not playing narratives here. But if you look at the history, this is a rivalry, a legitimate rivalry. If you look at the first game this year where the Steelers won, the Ravens owned them. Time of possession, they had 265 rushing yards, I think it was. But they turned the ball over four times. So I, I expect the Ravens defense to show up today despite being depleted from COVID-19. Even look at Denver and New Orleans a couple uh, a few days ago. New Orleans pulled away late in that game. The game ended up being a blowout. But early in the entire first half, Denver's defense kept that competitive. They just wore down because, well, their offense was never on the field. Similar to the Eagles the other week against Cleveland. I don't know what to say, man, but I think they can cover 10.5. 10.5 points is a lot in a divisional game, no matter who your quarterback is. I think they can cover. I but think it will think come. Will? I don't think they will. I think if they do, it's going to come down to this being a very slow game, a very run-heavy game on both sides, which Pittsburgh has not shown a willingness to do recently. But Baltimore, we know what they're going to do. They're going to run slow. They're going to be extremely run-heavy, regardless of game script, unless they end up getting down by you know three, four scores. Could that depress the play volume enough where there just aren't enough raw points scored for Pittsburgh to pull off a 10.5-point victory? Maybe. I tend to side more with the Pittsburgh Steelers. And frankly, I'm surprised the line's not a little wider here. Baltimore is down so many starters, so many good starters to Pro Bowl caliber level players, not just Lamar Jackson on defense in particular. I mean, you want to go to, it's not all just because of COVID either. You want to go to Clayus Campbell, Matthew Judon. Like those are Pro Bowl level players that are not going to be in this game. You're absolutely right. But again, these divisional rivalries, when you get 10 and a half points, that is still a lot of points. And, you know, I think the Ravens defense still finds a way to hold up here. It's more a matter of what their offense can do. Steelers have a 26 and a half implied total. Ravens sitting at 16 points. We kick it off, Matt, at the quarterback position. And it all comes down to Robert Griffin III. He's $8,400 in the captain spot, 12-6, if you want to play him there. And, well, quite frankly, we don't know what we should be expecting from Robert Griffin. Is he still willing to use his feet? Can he be an accurate passer? Can he not be a massive – can he not show a precipitous drop-off from Lamar Jackson, who has not been accurate this season either and has struggled behind an offensive line that hasn't given him the same protection as they did last year? What do you say about him? Yeah, I mean, Lamar Jackson has only a couple games, like, above 200 yards passing. He's been dreadful as a passer. If Robert Griffin III gives you like 150 and then something on the ground at his price, he's going to be worth it. And I'm taking a look over at ownership and seeing a quarterback at 30% on like, my goodness, this is pretty ridiculous. I know it's a tough matchup against Pittsburgh and I know he's down a slew of pass catchers, but I mean, we just saw this with, I, I guess, Philadelphia, but when's the last time you see quarterback coming in at 30% owned, even if it's Mitch Trubisky, if it's Nick Foles, these guys are 50% owned just automatically and Robert Griffin at a good price is 30%. I think it's kind of ridiculous. So I think I'm going to bet the Ravens money line, Matt. That is crazy talk. <laughs> now I'm definitely betting. I'm definitely betting. I'm taking 10 and a half points, but yeah, I don't think I'll be betting the money line. Steelers are a type of team that comes out flat against bad teams, though, man. Uh, we saw we have, against, we have seen that to Dallas. Yeah, I mean, wasn't Danucci at the helm in that game? Or no, was it um, Cooper Rush? Yes, it was. It was My Cooper God. Rush, and like they played from behind for all of that game. The wide receivers, though, are the pass catching positions for Baltimore. You've got no Mark Andrews. He's clearly been the number one there and doesn't have a whole lot to show for it this season outside of, uh, you know, a couple games, three games in the 20s. Outside of that, he's been very quiet. Many games in the single digits. He's sidelined. 
Um, so that's huge. And then you've got um, Willie Sneed also testing positive for COVID-19. This is insane. He's going to be out. And then Marcus Brown, who, I mean, dude, I guess if you want to be different today, that's one way to go about it. But it wouldn't even be that different. He's still getting some ownership. Matt, no team um, is better at ball hawking and, and takeaways per drive in the Pittsburgh Steelers this year. Their secondary has been nasty from top to bottom. Uh, I don't know if I had to, if I had to um, if I had to guess. Given what we've already seen from Marcus Brown this season with Lamar Jackson at the helm, this could be an extremely long afternoon for Marcus Brown against the Steelers' pass defense. He's already having long afternoons basically every time he gets to the field. They're not yep. throwing the ball a lot, and when they are, Lamar Jackson has not been able to deliver with accuracy. I don't see why that changes here with Robert Griffin III. If anything, they probably lean into that run-first approach. I think he's basically a contrarian play. His price has come down, making him slightly more attractive. I mean, you're probably going to have to play one Baltimore pass catcher, I think. Maybe he's the guy just based on volume. He's still out there running the most routes on the team. So, I mean, he maybe he's worth a flyer given that. Okay, well, he's 31% projected ownership right now. You know, that's one, two, three, four, five, six, seventh highest on the slate. But keep in mind that five through basically nine, five through eight, um, they're all in that low 30s range. So there's not a lot of separation there. As a matter of fact, the only guy that's creating huge separation from an ownership standpoint is going to be Ben Roethlisberger, who we'll talk about later. The the running game too. Well, actually, let's cover all of the pass catchers first. And I'm just going to very simply ask you, Break it down without Willie Sneed, without Mark Andrews, who can we turn to? Because while it would be very easy for us to say, oh, just you can't play anybody here. It's not, this game isn't on a 10 or 11 game slate. Hell, it's not even on a Thanksgiving slate where you can, for, for all intents and purposes, avoid the bulk of it. You can't do that on this slate. You have to play at least one of them in every lineup. And it's very likely that, well, the winning lineups might have more than one of them because that's how showdown slates work. There's a couple moving parts here with the Ravens offense, given the COVID situation. It's not just Willie Sneed. It's not just, you know, Lamar Jackson. They're also down every tight end. Mark Andrews is gone. Nick Boyle's on injured reserve right now. They have a couple guys on the practice squad, but they have not elevated one to their active roster. I do expect them to bring up Luke Wilson. They did this last week, but just at this point in time, Luke Wilson's not on the active roster right now. So you have to keep your eye on this. Then they're down Patrick Ricard, their fullback. This is a team that doesn't use a ton of 11 personnel. They're using Patrick Ricard. They're using a tight end on almost every single play. When they have everyone healthy, they're often using two tight ends. With all of the departures given, you know, the fullback position, the tight end position, we could see them use more 11 personnel just because they have to. That's going to put Marquise Brown on the field. I mean, he's already on the field nearly every single play. Des Bryant is probably looking at an uptick in volume. I mean, he's only been there for two games, but he had five targets in his most recent game. He's going to play on the outside exclusively. He's played every single snap on the outside this year. The candidate I think runs in the slot the most is Devin Duvernay. He's a rookie out of Texas. He's only seen eight total targets in the last four games, only ran eight routes last week, but this is a dude that's already played 25% of his snaps in the slot. He played over 95% of his snaps in the slot when he was at Texas last year in his final season of college. With all of the departures and COVID absences, I think we see a lot more Duvernay in the slot. Okay, so how would you rank these guys today, factoring in price point for the Ravens pass catchers? I think number one is still Marquise Brown, just because he's on the field every single play. Number two is probably Dez, and number three is probably Duvernay. Okay. Any interest in tight ends here? I mean, last game, Mark Andrews played 86% of the snaps. Luke Double L Wilson played 17%, uh, and that was it, which is, you know, uncharacteristic from what we've seen of this Baltimore team in the past. They haven't elevated Luke yet. He's on the practice squad again. You know, he played last week and they put him back down on the practice squad. I, they need to elevate him first. Otherwise he's the guy. And I mean, last week he played on 12 snaps and he only ran two routes. He's basically just a blocker. I think they'll probably use him a lot at the capacity. And I don't think they use him a lot in pass down situations. If he's on the field, I think it's basically a tell to the defense. All right, we're running. You know, what's weird is they included him on. And by the way, uh, if you were wondering why we saw such a insane, uh, insane amount of snaps for 
Mark Andrews last game. That was, I believe, Boyle's on the IR, right? Didn't he hit the IR after week 10 or so? I think yeah, he, he destroyed his knee. Yeah. Um, I'm surprised you didn't watch oh, that video. Oh, 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 I'm sorry. I forgot. Of course I watched that video. What are you, crazy? You had the Patriots run. You had the Patriots defender go, oh, Jesus, and started calling over to the to the sidelines. Yeah, I watched that video at least 20 times. Um, what do you think about that, Matt? Am I sick? I saw it once, once live, and I was turned it turned it off, man. It was <laughs> it way. It, it was really bad. Yeah, I just I, I just forgot that was Boyle. Yeah, I watched that as it happened, and then uh, scoured the internet for better angles. So the, with Luke Wilson, it's really strange that he's and, and this is in a report here too that he hasn't been elevated from the practice squad, but they're listing him on their official injury report. Yeah, man, I I think he does come off the practice squad today. There's a couple of these guys that we might see play. Luke Wilson's one of them. There have also been some rumors that Dobbins and Ingram are both expected to return. They can both be elevated off the COVID list at any time. There's no guarantee they will be, but they could be. So would you say that it's going to be extremely important to watch tonight's live before lock, the you know one and a half hours of live before lock that we have because we are or, or not tonight. Sorry. Uh, today, are we doing a live before? We have to be, right? Yeah, you are. You are for sure. I've saw. I'm not. I'm not either. It'll not be me. Kyle and Emac, I think. Okay, well then, uh, I would highly recommend watching that because, I don't know, Matt, it seems like we might be getting more news after this show ends as well. Yeah, I mean, look, guys, we're breaking down the, the hypothetical situations here, similar to Monday when you and I are talking incessantly about the Seattle wide receiver room and everything that we talk about becomes obsolete when David Moore is in the game. Like you need to see these inactives and they on showdown specifically, maybe for a main slate, it doesn't matter if Luke Wilson's elevated from the practice squad, but on showdown, this is huge ramifications for a single game environment. For sure. We've got uh, the highest owned wide receiver is going to be Marcus Brown. Now it looks like, let me, I want to hit, I want to hit up Alex because we have still Dobbins and we still have Dobbins projected in. And from what I'm seeing, Matt, neither him nor Mark Ingram are going to be activated from the COVID-19 reserve list, despite some optimism earlier in the week that they may have been. Yeah. It looks like that came out um, just recently. I know as of yesterday, they were saying they might play. So that just puts Gus Edwards in line to see majority of the work. All right. Well, Gus Edwards now, and, and this is, this is the thing, Gus Edwards, DraftKings did a good job. They preemptively priced him up with under the assumption that, hey, these guys aren't going to play and he will. So Gus Edwards is $9,300. I'm going to go ahead and say, Matt, and maybe I'm, maybe I'm way off base here, but I don't think I am. I'm going to go ahead and say that Gus Edwards, when we re-update, when we rerun these ownership projections, will be the highest owned Baltimore Raven. And I, I, it might not even be particularly close because while, while – um, while Harbaugh prefers to use him as a battering ram type back, he actually calls him his closer, as a matter of fact. You see late in games in the fourth quarter when they're up by multiple scores. Gus Edwards, not Ingram or Dobbins, has been the one getting the rock. But you, you have to assume with Ingram and J.K. Dobbins out, and, and now officially out, that, that, that you might see a lot of opportunity for Gus Edwards as an extension of the run game in the passing game especially if Robert Griffin isn't someone that's really apt to use his legs anymore. I think this is a very fluid situation, but one where I'm willing to get there, especially if I have to play a Raven. And if this game ends up staying close, I know you don't think it can, Matt. I know we're on different pages there, but the end plus it's a, it's a 10 and a half point spread. But if it does, even for the first half or first three quarters before getting out of hand in the fourth, Jake, uh, Gus Edwards is undoubtedly going to get a massive, massive amount of work. Yeah, I think he's probably underpriced given his role, and we should see ownership rise here. He actually has he has five targets in his last four games. He's not typically used as a receiver whatsoever, but this is an uncertain situation with Robert Griffin coming in. We know Lamar Jackson targets running backs at one of the lowest rates in the NFL. We straight up don't know with Robert Griffin the third. We haven't seen him play significant football in years now. So could Gus Edwards walk his way into additional pass game volume? It's certainly possible, and it's an uncertain situation worth targeting, and that's kind of the stuff I personally like to target on these showdown slates. So do I. Uh, he's by far my favorite option for for this team, and another reason for that is, Matt, we've seen on multiple occasions the Pittsburgh Steelers do a very good job of limiting 
chunk yardage on drive after drive, but they have been prone to giving up that big player two per game, right? We've seen it uh, on, on a number of occasions this season. So at the running back position, if he keeps getting the work, if you keep feeding him the ball, if the game does stay close, the, the Steelers secondary is no slouch. I mean, they are outstanding. You've heard me say it a lot. The run game, they're good too, but there are some holes there. Uh, and once a running back gets to the second level against the Steelers, that's where they have really had success. So um, to me, he is my favorite player from the Baltimore Ravens. Who is your top option from Baltimore today? He's mine too. And I don't have a ton to add here. He's actually been very efficient as a rusher when he's been given opportunities to, I know they like to ride three guys in the situation, but Gus Edwards has been quietly a very efficient rusher for this team. And I do think he handles a large majority of the running backs carries and, and targets here. I see people bringing up justice Hill in the chat. Justice Hill has only been active in four games this year, and he played just seven snaps in their previous game. This will rise undoubtedly without Dobbins and Ingram but to what degree? And I don't think it's particularly high. And I do think it's Gus Edwards seeing a majority of the work. All right. By the way, uh, if you guys have any questions, I'm always happy to take them. It's, it's a Wednesday. I'm just in a good mood. Like they call it hump day, Matt, but I'm in a good mood because we have football. So you guys got any questions? Usually, you know, we leave them for live before lock. If you have anything, uh, I'm happy to take them. Matt, I know you are present in the chat as well. So uh, we got you guys. And we got a super chat from A. Dean. He says, Laffy, what's your... <laughs> First of all, thanks, brother. What's your favorite injury to rewatch? Mine has to be Nurkic. <sighs> Nurkic is bad because the ref literally stepped over him and basically kicked his leg that was dangling in the air, Matt. Um, I'd probably go with the Anderson Silva one, but... There are a lot. Uh, who was, I always forget his name. Who was the one that happened on Easter day, the college basketball game? Is that Livingston? No. Kevin Ware. Thank oh, you. Yeah. Kevin Ware. Brutal. Dude, I don't but, watch these things. Yeah. I, I, I don't know. I'm sick. I, don't, don't, leave me alone, but appreciate the super chat. You're going on the Iverson Jersey. That thing's filling up quick, by the way. What else are we doing here, Matt? Is there anything else for the Ravens that we should be discussing? I think you want to look at some ancillary pass catchers. They do rotate players. So we talked about them potentially using more 11 personnel with Marquise Brown, Des Bryant, and Devin Duvernay. I don't think it's going to be a 100% snap share for all three of those guys. We likely do see Miles Boykin rotate in a little bit. James Prochet is another slot receiver who could complement Devin Duvernay in the slot. He hasn't played much this year. He has just two targets in his last four games, but he's another primary slot receiver. Ran almost exclusively out of the slot in his final season in college at SMU. Those are both two guys who will be on the field. Again, uncertainty can benefit us in DFS. We don't know how much Boykin and Prochet will play. I'm guessing they are the wide receivers four and five in a rotation. Any interest in the defense for the Baltimore Ravens? I think you could look to it. It's going to be tough. I don't know how much they're going to be able to get after the pass. And today they don't have their best pass rusher in Judon. They don't have Calais Campbell. And Jimmy Smith is questionable for the game, not COVID-related. Brandon Williams came off the COVID list, but he's also hurt with an ankle injury. That's three of their four starters on the defensive line and one of their top corners. It's, it's going to be tough, I think, for this Ravens defense today. Even though they have been very good this year, they're just very depleted. All right, so one more here. And normally we don't like to spend much time on kickers, but if there was ever a time to actually hone in on a place kicker, it would be Justin Tucker, Matt. He is outstanding. He's in a league of his own, and he has been for a very long time. The man just simply doesn't miss, right? I think he's 19 for 20 again this year. He's really just outstanding. And you'll never even hear me talk this much about a kicker because shit, most of the time, I don't know enough about kickers. <laughs> Why would I? Justin Tucker is actually a pleasure to watch kick a football because he's as automatic as they come. Could this be a situation where, and, and I want to pull the wind up. If you already have it, we can pull up the wind and weather. I know it's going to be cold. But is this a scenario where Justin Tucker could have like three 50 plus yard field goals? Absolutely. I like to target kickers more in low scoring game environments. There's just less opportunity. And this is definitely some. one of them. It is for sure. And it's a 42 and a half total. And I'm not confident that this gets there. 
I mean, when we've seen these situations earlier this year, the Denver game stands out. Like, well, look at what happened to New Orleans when they lose Drew Brees. These teams tend to be lower scoring. And in this sort of game environment, if Pittsburgh decides to mirror the Baltimore style of play, play a little bit slower, sit on their leads, run the ball, there's a chance this goes under. In that situation, a couple field goals from Justin Tucker, long ones at that, strong chance at being at least a contender for the optimal lineup tonight. Legalize asks, who's your favorite punt today? Let's get there. Let's get there after we do, after we break Pittsburgh down, because it's a good question. Uh, people asking about Ray Ray McLeod. Well, we're going to get to Pittsburgh right now. But yeah, I, I honestly think that if there was ever a time to, to really like a kicker, and of course it can go wrong. Listen, they could come out, they could score three touchdowns, four touchdowns. You never know. You never know. It's unlikely. It's very improbable. But I think the most likely scenario is that they do move the ball a little bit in this divisional game. If they can get it to the 40 or maybe even the 43 or whatever, like Justin Tucker is kicking that ball. Six mile per hour wins, nothing insane. This man was built for situations like this. All right, Matt, ready to talk Steelers? Yeah, man, let's do it. We're going to build a lineup at the end of the show as well. We'll do a, not like a cash lineup, but we'll do a, a safer lineup, maybe for smaller fields, single, three max entries. And then we'll do an out of control. Uh, we'll do an out of control one that is just, Super high floor, high ceiling, low floor. There was a solo winner on Monday Night Slate, solo Millie Maker winner, and they won that on a fucking Richard Rogers tipped ball out of or missed catch out of Fogum's hands. Somebody lost nine hundred ninety nine thousand eight hundred dollars on that one play. That's the crazy thing about Showdown, man. We talk about football being in a a sport where every play matters and the bounce of the ball has huge ramifications on showdown. That's magnified to hundreds of thousands of dollars. It's unreal. It's, un it's unbelievable. The uh, NFL ownership rankings, <clears throat> excuse me on a uh... with lucky landslots. You can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved. We are gathered here today to, has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. On Awesome.com, they're free today. Totally free. You don't even need an account to check them out. So do that. Uh, if you love the shows here and you want more and you still want to see what we've got behind the curtain, the ownership projections, the player projections, the top stacks tool, all of that stuff, go to awesome.com slash join because this is a showdown show. I always like to remind you guys that for three 95 a week, $3 and 95 cents a week, you can get the NFL express projections. You get the player projections. You get the top players tool, which is like a top stacks tool, but a probabilities thing for the showdown slate. You get the Express Lineup Builder, and then you get the Express Top Stack Tool. You get some rankings. That's all just with the weekly Express Pass, $3.95 a week. All of the showdown content included, a lot of other stuff. Check it out. If you want to go further, you want to dive in further, you want all sports, MMA. I know PGA is happening this week, NASCAR, NBA is coming back in less than two weeks, preseason NBA, all of that stuff. Check out the Awesome Up Plus Platinum. You can do that weekly, monthly, annually, whatever you want. We got something for all of you guys. And if you have questions, DM me on Twitter. Follow me first because it's the nice thing to do. And I'll be happy to help you out. Awesome.com slash join. And if you do sign up, hop into our premium Slack chat. Say what's up. We got people talking DFS, sports, betting, everything all day long. It's an awesome community, and we'd love to have you be a part of it. All right, Matt. Pittsburgh, starting with Ben Roethlisberger. Since week nine, no team is throwing as much as the Pittsburgh Steelers. It's insane. Roethlisberger's 42, 46, and 46 attempts over those three games. But here's the crazy part, and I'll turn it over to you. The last two games, they were playing with a massive lead from the jump. They won by the, the, the two games here. 66 to 13 is the, is the total margin here, the combined margin between these games against Cincinnati and Jacksonville. And Ben Roethlisberger still threw 92 times. What does that tell you, especially on a day that James Conner's out? It tells me they're trying to throw the ball at least to some degree. With NFL, it's kind of difficult to evaluate. You know, this could be a matchup-specific thing. This is not a trend they've been utilizing the entire season. So 
is this a, a blip on our radar? Is this a matchup specific thing the Steelers liked? It could be. It also could just be that they think their advantage throughout the rest of the year is pressing the pass. They have phenomenal receivers in Claypool, Johnson, and Juju Smith-Schuster's a little down, but I still think he's a good slot receiver. With James Conner out, it's very possible we see them continue this approach. I really like Roethlisberger today, and sure, I have immense amount of respect for this uh, Baltimore defense as well, and I think that they hold strong today, but I mean, you're going to have to pay for somewhere that you feel confident in, Matt, and when Roethlisberger's throwing this much in games where they were not only competitive, but were massively ahead, it's not just like he threw for four touchdowns, and I don't want to get off of this quite yet, Matt, because I think it's really important. It's not just like they it's not just like Roethlisberger threw for 300 yards and four touchdowns but then you look and he was 27 for 32 right just wildly efficient kind of like one of these Mahomes games Mahomes games that you'll see every well every Sunday but he threw 46 times he threw almost 50 times in back-to-back games um they are just simply getting away from the run right now and I don't necessarily know why they would look to get back to that today Baltimore Ravens have done a very good job uh, at, at containing opposing run defense or run rushing attacks uh, yards per carry on the season is, is one of the lowest I thought maybe not. Oh yeah, it is. Their run defense is phenomenal. Um, okay. Yeah. Their defense, the Ravens defense is 29th. So it, consider these numbers to be good. Like that would be the fourth best and against the run their top 10 as well. But again, okay. we have to consider they're missing three of their four starting defensive linemen. Right. Which is a big issue. Um, I just, don't know how much Pittsburgh is going to look to lean on the ground even to begin with. So um, if you had to try and project what this game plan, what this attack looks like on offense for a steal for the Steelers, what would you say? I think it's probably in line with what they've been doing this year. And for that reason, I think the safe options here are probably to look to get Ben Roethlisberger and at least one, probably two of his pass catchers in your lineup, at least in low risk contests. If you want to start talking about big GPPs, this is a situation where I very much like to target the runners because they haven't done this all year. Could this be, you know, game plan specific plan that Tomlin and his team just devised for their recent opponents? It could be. And in that situation, if they do return to the run, given the current matchup and the state of the Ravens run defense, you could look to Snell and McFarland and get some cheap action in what, what could be a low owned spot. Okay. Let's spend some time on the pass catchers first, and then we'll get into the ground attack. Deontay Johnson is six, uh, 16-2 in the captain spot. He's 10-8 if you're looking to roster him in the utility. Matter of fact, he is the second highest priced player on this slate. Not just on Pittsburgh, but on this slate. The third highest priced player that's actually going to be active today is Chase Claypool. And how about this, Matt? The fourth highest priced player is Juju Smith-Schuster. I don't necessarily remember seeing a game like this, and I'm sure it's happened but I don't remember a game, again, not the greatest memory, where the top five, the top five priced players, five, in a showdown game are all from the same team. Like all above the opposing team's quarterback. I can't remember either. I think the only time we may have seen this is like when Peyton Manning was the quarterback of the Denver Broncos. Other than that, you know, I don't think we quarterbacks just how they accumulate points. It's not likely that Deontay Claypool and Juju Smith-Schuster all outscore the opposing quarterback on the other side, no matter who it is, if it's Nick Foles, Ben DiNucci, whoever, it's unlikely that all of them do that, but we're seeing that in pricing. For that reason, I think just getting straight up to Deontay Johnson makes the most sense here. When he's healthy, he's very clearly their target leader as a 22.6% target share. And that's including games where he's left early and you know barely played. His target share is north of like 25% when you're looking at games where he's played the entire the entire game. And now you're getting him at the same price point essentially as Claypool and Smith-Schuster. When we're talking Smith-Schuster, when everyone's healthy, I mean, he's an afterthought in this offense. Getting to him doesn't make any sense to me with Deontay Johnson at this price. Now, we talked about Deontay Johnson. How do you feel about Deontay Johnson? <laughs> I did. I see. You, you told me that I pronounced it that way, and I had no idea. <laughs> Well, I had no idea I pronounced Kerryon Johnson, Kerryon Johnson. You know, we all make mistakes. And uh, Sal Vetcher was getting dragged yesterday for, for the pronunciation for a certain player, Robert Tonyan, or something like that. And he's a Green Bay fan. Look, we all make mistakes. Look, here's the thing, Matt. 
you say it's very difficult to believe that all five of these guys at the highest price outproduce anybody from the other side of this game. So how 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 expensive is Gus Edwards is sixty two hundred? That's so absurd. It's preposterous. Yeah, he's he's like a flat out lock to me. Preposterous. Someone asked if he plays, pays his price tag off. I don't know. I don't care. But you know, I'm gonna I'm gonna bet on the fact that he does because that's such a low price point. There's no reason he should be that cheap. Top priorities in the passing game. Give me your receiver and pass catcher totem pole. Feel free to uh, include Eric Ebron in there as well, who has actually been involved in the red zone quite a bit. Well, because this team is passing so damn much. It's exactly in order of price. So Johnson one, Claypool two, Smith Schuster three. Ebron is four, but I will say with Ebron, if you're trying to play multiple pass catchers on this team, when I was doing some early builds, I was getting a lot of him just because Claypool and Smith-Schuster are also very expensive. So if you want to play a well-rounded lineup, get Roethlisberger and double stack him. Ebron just fit more into builds. And I will say with Ebron, he is no longer a part-time player in this offense. He played on 70 of 75 snaps last week. We have almost 750 people watching right now, Matt. A Wednesday showdown slate. Guys, hit that thumbs up if you haven't done so. If you like what we're doing here, subscribe to the channel. Become part of that community. Part of the awesome family. It's the only place you want to be, really. Plus, a lot of you are home alone, you know. You need some camaraderie. Matt will keep you company. Matt's staying home for Christmas. All right, Matt, running game. Lot of Oh, no, no, I'm sorry. Let's talk about Ray Ray McLeod a little bit here, please. Uh, I had questions on him. They love those jet sweeps, the end of rounds, getting him the ball and those shoveled passes. Uh, I, I don't necessarily know what to think about him, but it does feel like one of those games where Ray Ray McLeod gets like a few opportunities and ends up scoring. And then everyone's pulling their hair out because they said, I, I said, I loved him and I didn't listen to myself and I didn't play him. Love is a strong word for Ray Ray McLeod. He, I mean, his route share on the season is 18%. That's about what he's been running on a week to week basis. There's not many spikes to this when he's on the field, his, usage is essentially just those jet sweeps and those little touch passes where they, you know, they pitch the ball instead of directly handing it off in case there's a fumble that way it's an incompletion instead of a fumble. His usage isn't very diverse, but we're kind of short on value on this slate outside of just like some punt plays on the Ravens. So if you want to look to Ray Ray McLeod, I do think he's in play tonight. He's not a priority for me, but he's going to be on the field enough to at least consider. What would you give him in terms of projected snap count? He's probably going to see somewhere between 15 and 20. I wouldn't okay. give him more than that. Okay. Running game. It's it's not just the Baltimore Ravens that have been bit by the COVID-19 bug on the ground. James Conner, also missing this game, got placed on the COVID-19 reserve list on Saturday. He will be inactive today, which leads us to, well, Benny Snell, who in the past has been able to do a decent amount with the opportunities he's been given. Uh, earlier this year, I believe Benny Snell had – was it 19 carries in week one? Yeah, 19 for 113 uh, and one target, no receptions in the passing game. Uh, remember, that was when everyone was like, James Conner is the bell cow back. Mike Tomlin promised us. And then we didn't necessarily know Conner got hurt. We didn't know he was injured. And then Benny Snell starts getting like two series in a row. Everybody worries. And then we all find out what was inevitable. James Conner was hurt again. He's not hurt, but he is sick. Or, well, I won't say he's sick. He's tested positive for COVID-19. So you got Benny Snell, and then you got a young rookie, pretty electric if they ever decided to give him some work. And as a college guy, you can speak more on him than I can. Anthony McFarland Jr. could also get into the mix here. I need you to go full out and break this down for us, Matt, because, well, we might be uh, there might be some huge implications in the backfield for showdown winners. I think Benny Snell's the guy they're going to prefer on early downs. He's more of their grinder type back. He's essentially been been used just as a runner. He has less than five targets on the year. So he's not being used as a pass catcher at all. And that's kind of how he was used at Kentucky when he was in college too. But I also think he's probably their goal linebacker for that reason. He does have some size on Anthony McFarland. And McFarland's skill set is more of like a dynamic, explosive runner. He In college, he's not someone that wowed on like, if you look at force missed tackles per attempt or yards after contact per attempt, he was very bad in both of those metrics, but he had a couple like wow runs. So like yards after contact per attempt was boosted by a couple of those. And he's a four, four speed guy. So that's really there. He kind of reminds me of someone like Justice Hill on the other side, like a 
seldom use scat back with explosive ability. And I do think they use these guys in a 1A, 1B situation. So if I had to give a percentage, probably like 60, 70% Snell, 30-ish percent Anthony McFarland with more of McFarland's opportunities coming on pass downs. Yeah, McFarland's ownership right now, it's not that low. It's 14%. Um, Benny Snell at 18.8%. Matt, a lot of this probably is because they have been not, not running the ball a lot lately because their the passing attack has been so stellar. The highest, the, the, I'm just giving you guys free information here. The four highest owned players are going to be all Pittsburgh Steelers, all of them. And it's all pass catchers, all wide receivers or the quarterback. So Benny Snell, when I tell you that he's less than 20% projected ownership right now, does that do anything to change your mind based just on ownership? I wanted to play Benny Snell before I heard that. And now it just makes me like him even more. And we talked, you talked about building lineups for your specific contest, low risk versus high risk. This is a high risk strategy for me because not only do you have to predict that Pittsburgh is going to be taking a run first approach or maybe they're playing with the lead, but you have to predict that Benny Snell will be the lead runner as well, which we also don't know. I think that's why his ownership is low. If you get both of those right, and everyone else is playing the Pittsburgh pass catchers and quarterback in the captain slot, you're going to have a big edge. Kicker and defense, Matt, unless there's anything else here, and then we'll build our lineups and head out. I'm excited to see what we come up with for these DraftKings lineups. Kicker, I'm interested for the same reasons I'm interested in Justin Tucker. I I don't think the kicking game is going to be as strong for Pittsburgh, of course. Justin Tucker's arguably the best kicker in the league, but I think you can play them in low-scoring environments. As far as the defense, I'm not very interested in Pittsburgh, and it's not because, you know, the spread or anything like that or points allowed. It's because Baltimore is going to be running the ball a lot. It's sort of this, the same game theory we had with New Orleans versus Denver this past week. Denver threw nine times. Like, the chances that Kendall Hinton throws a couple picks and fumbles were very low. They did happen, and it got there. I don't think it's quite the same situation, but I do think we're looking at depressed passing volume. And what you're looking for in defense is, is more pass volume. You want turnover chances, sack chances. And with Baltimore running the ball so much, I don't think Pittsburgh pays off an elevated price tag. Who is your favorite value play? Didn't forget about you, Legalize. I told you, you guys had some good questions. We'll answer them. Favorite value play on this slate? Can I say Gus Edwards or is he too expensive? I No, okay, let's do this. We can be, we're in total agreement here that Gus Edwards is the guy. Like, we'll call that a value play. But let's talk like legitimate punts, Matt. A real legitimate sub, you know, 3K punt all the way down to some of these guys that are going to open everything up. Yeah, so sub 3K punt. If you're looking for someone with upside, I know we just talked about how much we like Benny Snell, but I think you can make the same arguments for Anthony McFarland. We're projecting like a 60-40 timeshare, but if it's 50-50 or maybe even skewed Anthony McFarland's direction, you're getting a player at sub 3K who is essentially an unknown on a team that's favored by over a touchdown. Would you say all your favorite value from this slate comes from the uh, Pittsburgh side though? No, I think Gus Edwards is a good play. Oh, I'm if, sorry. I, I, I'm sorry. I wasn't, I, I'm not, not referring. I mean like low level dirt cheap punts. You mentioned Ray Ray McLeod. Maybe you mentioned someone else and I messed it. There's a couple of guys in Baltimore. You could look to justice Hill's probably going to see some work too. It's another backfield split situation where we haven't seen just Gus Edwards, Gus Edwards, every single game has been with either Mark Ingram, J.K. Dobbins, or both. We know that they like to platoon their backs. Without Dobbins and Ingram, do they use Justice Hill? Does he see 30% of the work, or does Jake or does Gus Edwards see like 90? They could split it, and for that reason, Justice Hill down in that price range, he's at least worth a flyer too. All right. And by the way, if you mentioned the Ravens player and I missed it, my apologies, Matt. Trying to juggle chat and listening at the same time, sometimes it's difficult. Um, if you guys missed this show or just jumping in now, start it back from the beginning. Just, you know, grab that bar and drag it all the way back. I swear, I actually have people come into the show being like, oh, I'm late. I missed the whole start of the show. Well, fortunately, it's 2020 technology. Just go all the way back or wait till it's over. You'll find it on the on our home screen, uh, on our landing page. Uh, and you can listen to everything in podcast form as well. Any platform that has podcasts, we got you covered. Awesome. Search at A-W-E-S-E-M-O. You will find our podcast there. All right. Here we go. Let's build a lineup, Matt. Let's go with safe first. And by safe, nothing's ever safe. But 
statistically speaking, let's go from something that on its face looks pretty safe. So uh, I'll let you start it off at captain on DraftKings. Are we ready, Big Jordan? Ben. Big Ben. I'm producing the show, by the way. Always doing a good job, this fella. Hey, Jordan. Let's go Big Ben at captain. Big Ben? All right. So we're going to be paying up, but I think that's very much doable. A guy that's thrown 46, 46, and 42 times over his last three games, I'm not going to argue that, Matt. Uh, and I'm just going to pair him with a pass catcher. Now, I, I don't think the cornerback wide receiver matchups should be sweat too much. Like, I don't think we should lose sleep over that. But would you agree that Juju is probably going to see the most of Marlon Humphrey today in the slot? Yes. Okay. So I'm going to use that information and say Ben Roethlisberger has two guys that he can go to as alternatives, and they're both very good. Obviously, Deontay Johnson and Chase Claypool are both of those guys. I'm going to go with Deontay Johnson. Now, in the in the less safe lineups, I think I love Claypool, but Deontay Johnson, just from a volume standpoint, I've got to make it happen. Um, you're up next. I think we just take the easy value on the other side and get Gus Edwards. Big Gus. Away. Yep, I'm with it. So we got Roethlisberger, Deontay Johnson, and Gus Edwards. That's half of our lineup. We got 5,300 per player remaining. I'm going to do this. I'm going to make your life a little bit easier, okay, Matt? I'm going to open it up a little bit. Um, do you want to go with McLeod? Do you want to go with – I don't really feel great about pairing Gus Edwards and Justice Hill, but he is very cheap. Anthony McFarland's in there, Devin DuVernay. Um, I'm going to go because we're, because we're likely not going to have Snell. I'm going to go with Anthony McFarland in this lineup. I love it. He would be my preferred choice too among these guys. So we're probably looking at like a four, two roster construction, a five, one roster construction. And that does make a lot of sense. I think in these lower risk contests, because Baltimore is projected to score so many more points excuse me, Pittsburgh is projecting to score so many more points than Baltimore. So I think this makes a lot of sense. Right now, I'm just looking at, you know, 66.50 left per player. It kind of leaves us in a weird spot. You know, if I plug yeah. in a guy like Eric Ebron, who's a cheaper attachment to Ben Roethlisberger, it at, leaves, it at least leaves us enough salary to get someone else on the Ravens that I like. Like you can get one of the best Ravens pass catchers if you play Ebron. If you play someone like Claypool in this lineup, you're going to be looking at a second punt. So for that reason, I'm going to say Ebron. So are you thinking Ebron and then Marquise Brown? Probably. You could go to Dez if you want. That would leave you a little salary on the board. But I think Marquise Brown is still the wide receiver one in this offense. Okay. And if you guys are like entirely expecting Pittsburgh to ravage this team, you could also do something like um, you could also do something like Pittsburgh defense and then go up to someone Pittsburgh defense and Dez, but I don't think that's necessary. I want a second pass catcher with Roethlisberger at the captain spot, Matt. So I'm with you there. I think Ebron is the right move. Uh, and then Marcus Brown. So you've got Roethlisberger, Deontay Johnson, Gus Edwards, Anthony McFarland, Eric Ebron, and Marcus Brown. And if we're trying to play it relatively safe, um, assuming that we're not worried about leaving salary, you could go up to like Duvernay, over Anthony McFarlane if you want to, but I, I don't think it's necessary to have two Baltimore pass catchers in there and a running back. So if you ask me, this is just off the top of our head right now. This looks like a pretty ideal build for a safer lineup. I think so too. I think it looks great, especially with the quarterback at captain. I think you're locking up the safest way to get a ceiling there. And this guy's of course, isn't to tell you, Oh, go out and roster this lineup everywhere. No, everyone knows that's a terrible decision to make, but just more or less, giving you an idea of what lineup construction looks like right now, early in the day. Uh, and, and what happens when you put Ben Roethlisberger at captain, what happens when you pair him with Johnson and Gus Edwards? Okay. Let's go off the board here. Go a little bit crazy. I'm going to start it off, Matt. Um, I'm going to go chase Claypool captain. The guy has absurd blow up potential. And I just think that there are like, DK Metcalf, if you didn't have DK Metcalf captain the other day, what are you going to do? Uh, he has a, a ton of upside. He's the type of player that can find the end zone twice. Roethlisberger loves him in the red zone, and uh, he's he's just a versatile threat. So uh, let's try a lineup with, with Chase Claypool at captain. I like it. I have no problem with that. Let's go on the other side, Robert Griffin the third. Get a contrarian quarterback at 30%. Okay. 
Robert Griffin the third. Now, do you think in these lineups we should fade Gus Edwards, or do we still go to guess Gus Edwards because of this price point? Let's wait and see where our lineup shakes out. I think being contrarian, he's not a priority because I do think he comes in highly owned. If we can get him, fine. If we need to go down to someone like Justice Hill, I think that's just the way it works out. Okay, fair enough. Um, I'm, I'm going to do this. I'm going to go back to Eric Ebron. I just think from a pricing standpoint, well, actually, actually, hold on. Can we go double quarterback? Can we make double quarterback work? Yeah, absolutely. We're I probably not we going to get Gus Edwards, but that's fine. What's up? We probably won't get Gus Edwards, but I still think that's fine. You can play some uncertainty with like a Justice Hiller McFarland and feel right, okay. On off the wall anyway, right? So let's go with Roethlisberger here. Yeah, I like it. it. Looks good. You're up. So we have Roethlisberger, Claypool, that stack. I think we just put in Ebron, make the double stack. It leaves us 4K in salary left, yep. which isn't ideal. But, I mean, we're probably going to end up punting with like a Justice Hill, I imagine, or someone else down here too. I mean, McFarland could fit the bill. Yeah, I'm gonna go. I'm 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 throwing McLeod in. Give us 6,800. I'm going Ray Ray McLeod. He's 1,200. It's as cheap as you're gonna get in the value department. We're not trying to be safe. We're trying to bank a tournament. Yeah, absolutely. I and guess what that gives us enough for? Uh, let's see here. Gus Edwards. All yeah. right. But the problem is we don't have any pass catcher paired with Robert Griffin. So would we rather go Marquise Brown? I don't think you need one. If you okay. so, if you assume Griffin's going to be rushing the ball a decent amount, we know Baltimore likes it. I I think that's Good just point. the the story you tell yourself, and you should be telling yourself some sort of story. If you think you need a stack instead, or you just want to capture all of the Ravens' upside, you know, like maybe Griffin's the one that does all the rushing, and then you hope like when he throws the ball, it's all to Marquise Brown. Then that's I like a this different man. approach. I like this lineup, and guess what? If you want to, might be duped a little bit more, but Chase Claypool. $600 remaining, Deontay Johnson is 16-2. So you can get Deontay Johnson as your captain in this lineup as well if you don't like Chase Claypool. Matt, I think that'll do it for us, man. Yeah, it was fun, man. I'm looking forward to We got to over today. 900 people watching. This is our by far highest concurrent viewers on any showdown strategy show that we've done. So got the best viewers in the world. We love you guys, man. And uh, glad to see that you're as excited for this Wednesday afternoon game as we are. Thanks so much for hanging out. Hit that thumbs up before you go. Subscribe and follow Matt at Matt underscore Gajeski. Myself, Lafay underscore D, L-O-U-G-H-Y underscore D, and awesomeo.com at awesomeo underscore com. Remember, around 2 o'clock, you've got the Live Before Lock show coming up. Hour and a half of action leading you all the way up to 340 kickoff. We'll see you back there. But stick around less than 10 minutes. Matt's sticking with me. Kyle Dvorak's joining us. And, uh, well, I put a third finger up there, but it's me. So I'll put that back down and just tell you that at 10 Eastern, 11 Eastern, it's the strategy show for tomorrow, for Sunday's Week 13 slate, talking ownership, top stacks, and everything for the next hour. Thanks for hanging out, guys. We'll see you back here soon.